Hello everyone, I see a few people hopping on here. Welcome, glad you're joining on. If you would, leave a comment, let me know that you're here. And for those that are listening through the podcast, glad that you're joining us. We're on Facebook Live here, so I'm going to be moderating some conversation. We're talking about Psalm 46 tonight. This is why we have the Psalms Part 5. So a good group is already gathered here. So encouraging to see all of the people that come out on uh, Wednesday nights virtually. I've got to tell you, there's there's uh, three to four times more people that, uh, maybe even five times actually, more people that uh, are watching these online right now than... Um, then we're in the building. So uh, it's quite encouraging to see so many people that are eager to ground their hearts and their minds in the Psalms. This is why we have the Psalms, as we say, for times like this. Um, days like these to where uh, we need we need some language that's tried and true. We need some stories that we know are true. We need some images that we know um, are not just downloaded from Getty and uh, depicted as Jacksonville Beach. Uh, we need we need solid direction in these days and times. And I am so glad that y'all are doing this with me. And uh, I want to see your comments tonight. And I want to uh, want to dialogue. So already quite, my goodness, where are you people coming from? So many. Hey, Emily and Alicia. I see Wanda, Will and Sherry, Kim, Elsie, Darren, Another Kim, Lori and Kim, another Kim, lots of Kims out there. Uh, hey, Brian, let's see. Hey, Joyce, tell Terry hello for me. Uh, there's Michelle, Cliff and Holly. Hey, Hannah. Hannah, you're going to be blowing it up in the comments tonight. I've got a feeling you're going to resonate with this tonight. Richard and Kim, Cynthia, Nick, there's Larry, Carolyn. Okay, Tracy Alexander. You could go on and on and on. So many. So many are here tonight. Hey, Josh. Hey, Mike. Glad you finally caught a fish, Mike. That's a good thing. So welcome. We are going to jump in. I'm eager to get into this teaching tonight. Tonight is Psalm 46, but before we get into the psalm, I am curious, what psalm is in your heart? Uh, what? Let me rephrase that. What song is in your heart? What are you listening to right now? Drop me a comment there. And before I forget, hit the share button because that helps get the word out to other people. So many are discovering Generations United right now because you're hitting the share button. It's one small act that makes a big difference. So hit the share button out there really quick and then leave a comment. Uh, let me know what you are listening to. I'm curious what your song is or maybe it's an album. Hey, Sherry. Oh, that's so sweet. They said that they love me. That's good. It's good to be loved for real. Uh, hey, Tawanda, glad to see you. Hey, Gary and Liz. All right, tell me what you're listening to. What song? Okay, here we go. Cynthia Bywater says, You Say by Lauren Daigle. Hello from Alabama. I don't remember a song by the band Alabama named Hello, but in case you're just greeting me from, from our uh, beloved friends in the state, Hello from Alabama. This is how I fight my battles. That's a good one, too. What else are you, you all listening to out there? I, of course, was listening to uh, a little bit of Jason Upton this morning, uh, Table Full of Strangers, Volume 2. There's a song on there called From the Mountain to the Valley, I think it's called. Oh, my goodness. It just tears me up. Um, Maverick City Music. Don't know that. Have to check it out. This is why I do this, because I want to I wanna be able to skim through some of these things and check them out. New album, Man is Wrestling with God Through It, Jerry Cinnamon, The Bonnie. 
Interesting. Rolling Stone by Lauren Daigle. All things Frozen 2 because kids. I am so thankful that my kids did not get into Frozen 2. Chris Renzema. Renzema? You're the only one. Hey, Sandy. Becca. Is that is the band Confidence or is that an album? What is that? Is that a song? I don't know about that one. Mark Anthony Cruz, Lauren Ellen Nelson. Anything by New Song. There's a name I hadn't heard in a while. How about that? That's cool. Well, uh, be sure to check some of those out if you're looking for something new to listen to. Here we go. Psalm 46. Are you ready? I'm reading from the ESV because, because that's what I do. Here we go. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Selah is just a cause to pause, reflect. A little ambiguity around what it really means, but... It's as good of a hunch as any. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob, our fortress. Selah. What do we do when our world is falling apart, when the foundations are proven to not be so certain, when all of the things we could count on are no longer things that we can trust in? What do we do? This psalm, I've been thinking about it for weeks I've been wanting to teach on it for weeks, and this week I thought, I think, I think we're ready for this psalm. As I read the psalms, I, I don't know where I'm going next week. So I, it's not that I don't prepare, it's just that I, I, try and, I try and listen to what the Lord is saying. Because I don't, I don't want to just, um, you know, you can teach any scripture all of the time, but I, I also want to bring something to bear that, that is speaking to our current situation. And so... Um, let's go through this together. I think it's very appropriate. And I'll tell you, this one builds as it goes, but we have to lay the groundwork first. <clears throat> so feel free to comment. I'm going to glance at them from time to time. We're going to handle verses, uh, actually, let's just do verse one, and then I'll pause for a second. I'll leave myself a note, so I pause, and I want to hear what your thoughts are on this. So what is verse one saying to you? God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. So God is three things. We see that God is refuge, God is strength, and God is help. 
God is our refuge. God is our strength and God is our help. Uh, to find refuge in something is to trust in something. And trust is a key theme in Psalms. And the question that we ought to ask ourselves as we enter into this is where do we place where do we place our trust in times of trouble? The second, strength. Strength speaks to sovereignty, that God is sovereign ruler over the universe. This is the, the case that the psalmist is making. God rules the world, and God can be trusted. And then third, God is our help. And if you look in the footnotes of your Bible, it might tell you another way to translate this word here is um, not just that God is, is a help, but God is uh, a well-proven help. It says a very present help in my scripture, and at the bottom it says a well-proven help. And I, I like both of those. I like the reality that God is present as help. I also think of, uh, I, I just want to give this out there from, from a marriage standpoint. I, I didn't plan to say this. It has nothing, how do I say it? It's not that it has nothing to do with it, but it's it's not what this is saying exactly. When when um, Genesis says that I will give about Adam, that I'll give him a suitable helper, um, the one who helps is the one who's stronger in a certain area. So when we, if as men, it, it hasn't always been, uh, and certainly that's being corrected, and it's not the case, uh, not the case here in how it's taught. But um, the, the wife is actually viewed as the suitable helper, which doesn't mean that the wife is uh, the help, that the wife is uh, the one who helps because the wife is stronger. And so um, the wife brings the help that we need. So when we view it that way, it's not that, you know, you're just my little helper. No, no, no. The, the, the helper is the one who, uh, who comes alongside of you and strengthens you. Uh, in areas that you're not necessarily strong. So when we view it that way, we're, we're seeing that, that God is our help, and not just our help, but a very present help. God is a very present help, a well-proven help. So in hard times, we rely on what is well-proven. Uh, I like to go fishing. I like to go fishing with my dad. Um, I like to go fishing with my mom and dad. Uh, and whenever I went out, uh, maybe a week or a week and a half ago or something like that, having some motor problems and because we were having some motor problems, we just stayed kind of close to the shore to where the trolling motor could get us back in. And that trolling motor wasn't the most dependable either. So we knew in the back of our minds, if the motor fails and the trolling motor fails, then we're going to have to row our little boat back to shore. And so we, uh, when we're not certain that our help is sufficient, then we, we kind of stay a little more timid, but when we're confident in our help, we know that we can go ahead and set out. We can launch out into the, into the deep because we don't have to fear because God is not just present as a help, but God is a well-proven help in time of trouble. I was reading, uh, I finished my journal. Um, so this is my journal and has a little sticker on it so I can reference it later. I have a box of these from over the years. I don't remember what year I started, but this one was November 19 to April 2020. It took me a while to get through this one. Um, not because there's only 120 something pages, but um, I, I, I might not have been as consistent as during this particular season uh, is what I wanted to have been. So I finished this and I thought, you know, I need to order a new one. And in case you're wondering what kind of journal this is, it's the best kind of journal. If you think it's a moleskin, you're wrong. It's actually a loop term, L-E-U-C 
H-T-T-U-R-M. Love it. The best journal I've ever, and the, the, the paper, the weight of it, uh, it'll be there 100 years from now. But I ran out, and I, you know, Amazon, I didn't want to hop on Amazon. I, you know, who knows when it'll get here. But um, I looked at my bookshelf, and I saw this. I thought, is that a photo album? And I pulled it out, and it's not a photo album. It's a journal, and if you can see this, uh, let's see. To a father who is very loving, loves Sari and Seth, Father's Day 2013. And I read, I opened it up, and I had only written in the first page. And um, I, I left a note to the kids here, just telling them thank you for this amazing journal. They'll find it when I'm dead, right? So, And I just spoke a word to each of them in here, just wrote each of them a note. And when I was writing Sari a note, uh, I said, last week we took you on a tour of this particular school. We were in North Carolina and uh, wanted her to be in a particular school, given the school in that area. Long story. Uh, she loved it. You'll attend second grade here. And the tuition, and I put how much the tuition is in there. I'm looking at the number going, that's a big number. But we received a scholarship, and so it was more manageable, right? Uh, and I put it here, I'm selling vintage Schwinn bicycles to pay for your tuition and also for my tuition for grad school at Wake. And we needed, it's like 12 additional thousand dollars between her school and my school. Hers was actually less than what mine was. Um, but I'd never sold a bicycle before. I'd never changed a bicycle tire before. And I went to an estate sale. I bought a bike and put it on eBay. It sold. And I figured out I didn't know how to package one. I didn't know how to ship one. Took it down to the bike shop. They packaged it for me, shipped it. The guy who bought it, uh, I messaged him. I was like, hey, is there like a market for these things? And he said, you know what? There actually is a market for old Schwinn bikes. I tell you what I'll do. I had a mentor in the bike business and I'll mentor you. And so for the next three, four, five years, uh, we just bought from all over the country and, uh, and resold parts and bikes and, and more than paid for our school. I can remember being in my garage uh, after midnight some nights after getting done with work. I would wake up at about 3 a.m. Uh, I would pray, read scripture. I would work on schoolwork. I was, um, during that season, I was also writing a book. Then I would go to work. I'd go to school. I'd get home, spend time with the kids. And then when they went to bed, I would get out there and do bikes. Uh, Elizabeth helped me. And it, it was just a season I remember thinking back on that season, um, you know, it's 2020 now, that was 2013, 14, 15. I, it, looking back on it, I felt so much pressure. And uh, looking back on it now, I just think God got me through. We, we never missed a payment on anything. The Lord more than provided, more than provided. And we... Uh, we were just blessed through it. And I, I say that, the reason I tell you that little story is um, in tough times, you, re you need to remember that God has been well proven in the past. It's one of the values of journaling because I, I never would have remembered that in that particular way. So the, the reason we journal is the reason that we can go back and look on the faithfulness of God and have those memories. And so if God got me through that, then God will get us through this. God will get me through this. We're all, you know, somebody said that we're, how do they say it? We're, we're all up the same creek, but we're not in the same boat. Or we're all in the same river, but we're not in the same boat. I forget how it is, but the point is we're all having the same general experience, but each of it, it's individual, uh, individualized for us. So you need to remember in times like these that God is your strength. He's well-proven. 
Um, and then finally, that the little word our, God is our strength. God is for us. God is our, our, our strength. God is for us. You need to someday say out loud, God is for me, not against me. Because your mind wants to think of all the ways that the world is against you. And you need to be like, nope, God is for me. So there, we've covered verse 1 and we're 17 minutes into it. I mean, we're going to be here till midnight. Um, I want to pause. We're not really going to be here till midnight. I want to pause and just hear from some of your thoughts here. So any comments, any thoughts on uh, on where we are so far? Anything strike you there? I see some more bands uh, comments. I see Anna and Dan. Hello to my friend Dan Brubaker. Say hey to Kathy. See Diane. Hey Christine. Christine uh, and I had some good uh, Go Points sessions this week. I hope that you all will sign up for the evening sessions for Go Points next week. I see Tim McSwain. Um, okay, Kathy, we need to quiet our thoughts and trust that God is God, big enough to handle it. The rays say, "Be still and know that I'm God." If we listen, we can hear Him. That's good. When I have no strength left, God is my help. That's good. Journaling will build your faith, mark milestones in your trek with Jesus, and give you life, says Hannah. Alicia says, even though God does not have to prove himself, he does this every day. Okay, let's keep going. Verses 2 and 3. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved in the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. You know, this is the worst case scenario that the psalmist can think of. In the ancient Near East, in the area where this was being lived and written, this was the worst case scenario. And the reason is the mountains were viewed as the foundation that held the earth together on the bottom end, and then they were the pillar that held the sky up on the top end. So the mountains are like the, uh, are like the, the lodge poles in a lean-to barn, so to speak. Although that metaphor breaks down because they don't hold the ground together. But if you can imagine uh, the mountains holding the earth together at the bottom and then propping the sky up at the top. So in the ancient Near East imagination, the, the psalmist thinks, what's the worst case scenario metaphor that I can use? And what he does, he says, we won't fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. And then it says, Selah. So think about that. Think about that. So it's like a, given that the mountains are what they are, it's like a 10.0 earthquake and a Cat 5 hurricane all in one. The skies, the ground, the whole thing is shifting. And that's what the psalmist is wanting you to see. The psalmist is like, you know, you've got to imagine, like, what's the worst, what's the worst case scenario? What's the worst case scenario? Well, you know, let's think of a possible worst case scenario. Let's say there's a virus that that somehow or another comes from the other side of the world and gets here, and then people are infected with it, and then it spreads, and then, you know, it's decided that people are going to be quarantined and that the economy for in many ways is going to be shut down. And what's the worst case scenario? Well, that would be a good place. That would be a good place to start. Well, I mean, it could get worse, right? Like they could cancel the Masters. And then on the first day of class, when you're teaching your kids, the Wi-Fi could go down. And 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 
Oh, and you could have tornadoes coming through about once a week, right? Well, I mean, that's not the worst, but it's pretty, it's, it's, it's at least like five on a scale of 10, okay? At least in my lifetime. And the psalmist would, would maybe write something like that. Though a pandemic breaks out all across the world, though the government, you know, orders, you know, what do you call it, quarantine and well, that's what they're getting at right here. And what he says in the midst of that worst case scenario, in the midst of your worst case scenario, here's what he says. We will not fear. We will not fear. Therefore, because God is our refuge and strength and a very present help, we will not fear even though the worst case scenario happens. Why? Because God is our refuge and our strength. Because God is sovereign. Because God is the place we run. Because God intends to help us. So whenever you're focused on the worst case scenario, whenever your world is turned upside down, whenever you can't imagine how this is going to play out, what you have to do is go back to the first thing. And the first thing is that God is your refuge and your help. I also want to say, just as a comment, and I'll say this briefly, some of your minds are playing out worst-case scenarios that haven't even happened yet. And what you do at that point in time is you say, what's the next thing that I'm supposed to do? And you focus on that one. One is always the first number. What's the, what's the next thing I do? One is always the first number. Then you do that. And then when you're done with that, you do the next thing. So any comments or thoughts uh, on that part? Let's see. They're still, still steadily scrolling in. So let me get back up to where I was here. Tim says, when I've stepped out into the impossible, God made it possible. Michelle says, God is for us, not against us. Has been one of my mantras since the beginning of this. Yep. God is on your side. The universe is rigged in your favor. Michelle says, we don't tell God how big our problems are. We tell our problems how big our God is. Now you're just getting snarky. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, that's really good. I stand still and wait for his hand to carry me in the depth, maybe depth, of every storm. I know he is God. He's bigger than anything that ever could be thrown at us. Oh, yeah. Elsie says, those scriptures make me brave. Yeah, you ought to be brave. You should be. All right, next, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, verse 4. The holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob, our fortress. So the city of God shall not be moved, even though everything else is shaken. Why? Because God is there. The city of God is not shaken because God is there, and you can't shake God. If this feels like church rhetoric to you, if you're listening to this going, well, that's just church rhetoric. You know, it, it might be church rhetoric, but it also might be the truest reality that, that God is the thing behind the thing, that God is, God is the immovable. God is the ineffable. God is the one that you can't describe. You get, God is not shaking. You are a speck. As, as beloved as you are by God, you are a speck. Like you, you get this whole thing from God's perspective. God sees, I think God, God is above time. So I think God sees the whole thing all at once. God foresees the future and let, yet allows free will. 
I don't, I don't know that in some wild kind of a way that God doesn't see King David in the same present at which God sees us. It's at least possible. So if that's the case, then God has a whole landscape of time. And here we are a month into this thing, losing our junk. And God's like, that. okay, we've been here before. And by we, I mean me, because you've never been here before, but I've been here before. So I'm not shaken. I've been there, done that. I, I'm above all this. The earth is a speck, and you are an even more microscopic speck. And God is bigger than all of this. It doesn't mean you're not loved. It just magnifies how much God loves you because of how small you are. So the city of God's not moved, though everything else is shaken. The city of God is Jerusalem here, in which the temple is located. It's the place where God's presence is focused. So the tumultuous waters of verses 2 and 3, so look at those. We won't fear the earth gives way, the mountains be moved in the heart of the sea, its waters roar and foam. This is pitted against or juxtaposed against the river who makes glad the city of God. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Over here you have all the chaos, all the chaos, all the chaos. And yet in the midst of all that chaos, what do you have? You have a river. There's no physical river going in Jerusalem, but you have a river of spirit that makes glad the city of God where God dwells and all of the people of God. So amidst all of the chaos, amidst the foaming, frothy, roaring seas, there is a river of spirit that if you're tapped into and drinking from and nourishing your heart from, that makes glad the city of God. So what city are you living in? Are you living in, in the city? Are you living in a virtual city? Everybody's freaking out? Or, or is your soul grounded in the soil of the kingdom of God? So if the temple is in the city, and the temple was destroyed, but Jesus is actually the new, the new temple, and now you are the temple of God, so where does, where does the stream flow now? It flows into the temple. And what's the temple? Well, you're the temple. So the stream flows through you. Jesus says that there's rivers of living water flowing through you. All right. What do we say about these things? Um, verse 6. There's so much clamoring and clanging, but the very voice of God melts everything. A whisper from God can calm the chaos. I've started my day. Um, I, I would say I've started my days, but I just started it today. Normally when I wake up in the morning, I pour a cup of coffee. Either I'm reading a, a spiritual book or I read the scripture. One of those I read first. Then I might journal for a minute. I do my Bible reading plan online. And then I just started, you see that chair right there? See that chair? I just started sitting in that chair. I'll tell you what I do. It's weird. But I take off my socks because I want to feel the carpet. I want to feel human. I wear socks and shoes all the time, but I want to feel, I want to feel the ground beneath my feet. I sit in that chair with my arms on the chair, just like this. I just sit there and I have a song on. I just listen. I'm not praying. I'm not asking God for anything. I'm just beginning my day just by starting it by being still. And we'll talk more about that in just a moment. But God's voice can calm all of it. Verse 8. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He builds, burns the chariots with fire. 
And here we go. Be still and know that I'm God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So that verse begins by saying, come behold the works of the Lord. So God is always at work. God didn't just create the world, spin it, step back and be like, good luck, I'll be here if you need me. But God is still creating the world and you and I are co-laborers and co-creators with God as we go through life because we bear his image. That's what it means to bear the image of God, at least in part, is that we co-create with God. So here we are creating with God. God has created the world and is still involved in it, and God is still at work. And so God says to us, come, behold the works of the Lord. Look at the works of the Lord. They're happening all around you. Behold the works of the Lord. When we know God is working, when we know God is working, then we receive the command, be still. It, it might not be the best translation, according to the research I've done. But I, I like be still as well. But it might not be the best translation. A better translation might be stop. Throw down your weapons. Stop. All your striving, stop. It feels much more emphatic than be still and know that I am God. It's more like stop, stop, pause, hit the brakes. Tap the brakes. Cut it out. Stop. You're not in control. The whole thing is about the fact that you're not in control. You're not in control. You have no control over any of this. You think you do. You think you do. That's why it's so unnerving for people who have who are out of their work routines. Because I just I feel like, I, yeah, you never were in control. It was an illusion. The whole thing was an illusion. You're not in control. God is God. I'm not in control. I don't like it either. Ticks me off, aggravates me, frustrates me, makes me angry. Be still. It's the first thing the Lord ever said to me. I never heard the audible voice of God. But January 31st, 1997, I was a, I just turned 18. I was in the balcony of Brownsville Assembly of God, Pensacola, Florida, on Cervantes Street. Steve Hill preached a message. I came down to the front, gave my life to Christ, repented of my sins, and receive Jesus as Lord. That night, the pastor came down the aisle and he's praying for people. And this is a weird story and it is what it is. And he says to me, grab his hand. And I grabbed my friend Ryan's hand. He said, grab her hand and I don't know who she was. And the next thing I remember, I was flat on my back up underneath a church pew. On my back, under a church pew. I, God apparently needed to knock my butt out. Now, I don't think I lost consciousness, but I do think that I lost awareness for just a second. And I remember staring at the bottom of a pew. And I remember moving my legs. And I remember thinking to myself, what, what is going on here? And I remember wanting to get up, but feeling like you're not getting up. And I remember in that moment hearing a thought cross my awareness, and the thought was simply, be still and know that I'm God. And it wasn't so much comforting. It was like, son, you're going to tap out. We're going to settle this right at the start. And I want to say this with as much grace as I possibly can, but I don't know, I don't, I don't know 
I think many times people like the idea of receiving Jesus as Savior, but not as Lord. That's as plain as I can say it. And the psalmist is talking the whole time. And then that part is in quotes. Be still and know that I'm God. The voice shifts. It's not the psalmist talking. It's God talking. And this is what God says to us. Be still and know that I'm God. He isn't saying don't work because he calls us to be co-creators. He isn't saying don't do the things you're responsible for doing. What he's saying is in the midst of that, you can have a posture of pause. You can have a posture of saying, God, I'm going to do my part, but I realize that my part is nothing compared to your work. You are God. You are God above the whole thing. Even if the mountains move, even the mountains that hold the earth together, even the mountains that hold the sky up, even though the things that we think are holding the whole thing together, even our best stimulus packages and our best social distancing, all that stuff, great, and I'm not talking against it. What I'm saying is in the midst of all of that, there is a God in heaven who is higher than all of this. And he is commanding his children to be still and know that I am God. It is not a suggestion. It is not a nice little offering. It is the God of the universe saying through Psalm 46 to you and I here tonight, be still and know that I am God. Period. Period. Donald J. Trump is not God. The Federal Reserve is not God. Ron DeSantis is not God. All the hand sanitizer in the world is not God. Your stimulus check is not God. The CARE Act is not God. All the social justice work in the world is not God. All of the healthcare workers in the world are not God. All of the respirators in the world are not God. I think you get where I'm coming from here. It's not that we don't pray for our president and pray for our governor and thank God for masks and for uh, personal protection devices and for healthcare workers and for stimulus packages and for unemployment and the whole thing. We thank God for all of that, but we thank God because God is God and the command of God is to not trust in any of those things because the whole thing can fall apart, but God will not be moved. And those who dwell in the city of God, whose hearts are anchored in the city of God, will not be moved. So dadgummit, do not fear because your God is with you. Read my lips. God will not be moved. And that ought to inspire courage in your heart. That ought to make you sit up a little bit straighter. That ought to make you get off of this Facebook live session tonight and go high five your spouse and hug your kids and say, kids, it's going to be okay. Why is it going to be okay? I'll tell you why it's going to be okay. Not because we're that smart or that good or because of miracle science. All those things are great and we need them. Thank God for them. It's going to be okay because God is God of the universe. So be still. And you need to look yourself in the eye tonight and say, be still. Calm down. Calm down. You ain't that powerful. Calm down. You need to look your worries in the eye and say, dadgummit, stop it. Be still. He's God. And then it finishes like this. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. I could preach on this one for a while, but I won't. The Lord of hosts, that's a, that's a callback to the times to where, I forget which prophet that it was. Was it Elijah and Elisha? I forget which one it was. Forgive me. I didn't read it today because it just comes to my mind right now. But the Lord of hosts is God of the angel armies. Remember when they were facing the armies? And he's like, oh no, what are we going to do? And the old prophet's like, Son, you can't see. You don't have eyes to see yet. 
and God like opened his eye. And there's angels all surrounding them. God is God of the angel armies. <laughs> like God's military base, God's military personnel are angels. He doesn't need nukes. He's got angels. <laughs> God's, God's army is angels. Well, I don't believe in angels. Too bad. God does. God of the angel armies. God, I pray that I pray that angels will begin to work in people's lives. Whatever, however that works. I don't even know. But if they're there in their forest, hey, I'm all about it. By God's Spirit, may He release, may He release the power in His way into your situation to do what He wants to do and to push back the work of the enemy, to push back the work of the enemy on your heart, to push back the work of the enemy on your finances, to push back the work of the enemy on your home, to release those that are captive, that even during this time, people who have been far from God will have their hearts awakened to where, you know what? They'll say, maybe I need to turn to the Lord. Well, it's not a bad idea. Because fast forward 100 years, listen, if this doesn't kill you, something will, and you're going to stand before a living God one day, and that living God is going to look you in the eyes. And I don't know what he's going to say to you, but I believe his gaze will be one of love towards you. And my hope is that you won't wait until you have to look him in the eyes then to realize that you can look him in the eyes right now and he loves you just as you are right where you are. And he wants you not just to receive him as Savior, he wants you to receive him as Lord. Because he's God of the angel armies, he's God of the universe, he won't be moved. So where do we place our trust in the middle of chaos? In God, in God alone. And we are nourished by the river of his spirit. So how do we do this? I'll give you three things. I'm going to read some comments, and then I'm going to finish a cup of coffee. I made some decaf. I turned to Liz. I said, baby, you want me to make some extra so you can have some decaf? And Seth is over there on the computer. He said, hey, Dad, I'll drink a cup with you. So Seth's in there drinking some decaf. So what do we do? Number one, these are three things. Number one, study scripture. It's not that hard. I don't care if you like it or not. Get up and do it. Doesn't matter. It's God's word. Honor God by reading his word. If you don't like reading, listen to it. Get the Bible app. You can go to our website, click on adults. It'll link you to our Bible plan. You need the word of God in your mind to renew your mind daily. Number two, worship God. Don't just read. Don't just encounter God all up here. You need to rend your heart before God and worship God on a daily basis. You're like, well, I don't, I don't have much alone time. Do you drive? Do you, do you, uh, can you go for a walk? And just worship God. And then number three, acts of loving kindness. Find ways to love and serve your neighbor. So study scripture, worship God, acts of loving kindness. All right, let's look at this. And then, uh, boy, we are talking tonight, you people. All right, let's see. Here we go. Over and over, the Israelites created memorials to remind them of the great things that God had done. Yep. Your journal is like an altar. I want to live in the nourishing river. Sheila, I knew you were going to like that part. When I was studying this today, I was like, Sheila is going to love that verse. A whisper from God can calm the chaos. When chaos sets in, all the clamoring and bustling to try and make sense of our situation becomes overwhelming. When we look to God, he quiets the background noise so we can focus on the next steps he's pointing out to us. Very true. Yep. There are times in life to ride the rapids, and there are also times to gently row through a placid lake. I had a similar experience about the same time. It was life-altering. Let's see here. Thank you, Miss Jane. Jane says, good word. Crystal says, hallelujah, yes, Jesus. 
Jennifer says, I am not God. Sometimes we just need to say that. Mm -hmm. Tracy says, relax, put down your defenses. I have you. That's the word. That's the word tonight. You need to chill. You need to chill. You're like, I was fine before I got on here and you started yelling at me. <laughs> I'm not yelling at you. I'm just excited. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Cynthia, I was not being still. I was not hearing. I was praying for God to work, but I wasn't listening. I got stopped in my tracks by a massive heart attack and quadruple bypass at age 46. I praise God for helping change my ways to listen and stop leaning on my own understanding. God never fails. Yeah. Good. Yes. God is with us. Angels surrounding us. This is good. I love it. All right, friends, we've covered some ground tonight. We're at 41 minutes. We've had some fun, and more people are still jumping on. So um, just bless you. I'm enjoying these, and we're going to do them. We're going to do them however long we need to do them. So I'm going to be right here on Wednesday nights as long as the Lord leads. And um, I don't know what psalm we're doing next week, um, but this is, uh, this is where we are tonight. I don't want to go because I love our time together. But uh, before we go, if you haven't hit the share button, go ahead and hit the share button at the end. I think that tonight's message might encourage some people. And frankly, um, this area needs some hope and some encouragement. And uh, your neighbor needs some hope and some encouragement. So share this message with them. And uh, Pastor Kira is going to be with us tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Um, and also, if you're looking to get connected, get involved in ministry so you can join a team whenever we come back. Hopefully sooner than later, good Lord willing, the church don't rise. So go to uh, genuinechurch.com, click on Go Points. Next week, the sessions are being offered in the evening. So we have a good group that's building there. Invite you to join us. And I think that's it. So um, I don't know where we go from here. Good night. Much love to you, church. Bye-bye.